Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.07 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 8th of September, 2020. This one is episode 282 of Bitcoin, and I screwed that up on Friday. I said it was 282 uh, last Friday. It wasn't. It was actually episode 281. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I screwed the pooch on that one. But no, this is 282. <clears throat> I want to start off with a quote from Dune Quote Bots. This is actually from one of my favorite books in the Dune series, which is not actually Dune itself. It's the God Emperor of Dune. As long as there is life, every ending is a beginning. It's a good way to start out the the week after our Labor Day weekend here in the States. Uh, if you're listening from another country, yes, we have this commie bastard <laughs> uh, holiday that we get off on. Like I think it's like the it's like it's always a Monday anyway. It celebrates Labor Day and it's all commie and you know. But it's a good it's a good time to actually get outside and and do some barbecue, which is what I did for a about 11 hours straight yesterday. Oh, so nice. Oh my God. And yes, the ribs were falling apart. I put up a a few videos during the uh, day of me cooking these things, culminating in me cutting them. And I would put those ribs up against Aaron Franklin of Franklin's barbecue in Austin any day of the week. I might lose. (laughs) He might whip, he might mop the floor with my ass. But I would have been proud to put those racks of ribs up against Aaron Franklin any single day of the week. Okay, let's get right on into this bullshit about Tim Draper. It appears that that tweet, if you know what I'm talking about, was a hack. Well, let's find out what the hell happened. Turner Wright is going to tell us for for Coin Telegraph. He's writing this one last night sometime. Tim Draper, a famous American venture capitalist and serial cryptocurrency investor, might not have promoted Bitcoin Cash after all. A hacker appears responsible for a September 4th tweet from Draper stating that he had recently purchased Bitcoin Cash and then personally thanked Roger Ver, though the account Draper used to tag the Bitcoin.com founder was a Ver imposter profile. The BCH proponent still thanked him for the push the same day. After the tweet was deleted, OpenNode co-founder Kao Alameda confirmed on September the 6th that Draper's account had been compromised. Uh, Draper invested in OpenNode's seed investment round in 2018. Quote, I was in contact with his team. He deleted the tweet as soon as he was aware, end quote. Draper's purported endorsement of BCH was skeptically received by many on crypto Twitter as he is well known to be one of the biggest Bitcoin bulls. The billionaire investor has stated that he holds a lot of his portfolio in BTC after quitting public stocks in favor of the cryptocurrency space in 2019 and is confident that the coin will break $250,000 by early 2023. Yeah, well, I want to be bullish too, but, you know, I may have to wait a little bit longer than that. The real Draper has not posted to his account since the incident to offer any kind of explanation leading to speculation about the BCH message. Quote, maybe it was a hack after all, said Twitter user Whale Panda. Probably just a clueless or paid tweet that backfired. Yeah, that, that's act, that's the, the actual quote from Whale Panda. So that's not my fault that the, the language there is screwed up. Probably just a clueless or paid tweet that backfired. Okay. Draper has backed a number of ventures that have not always been well received by many in the crypto community. In June, Telegram scammers made off with $40,000 from users trying to buy the initial DEX offering or the IDO of Draper's lending platform, DeFi Money Market. Quote, he's been paid many times to be an advisor for many scam projects in the past, said 
Twitter user Crypto Whale also speculating the BCH tweet was a paid advertisement that went wrong. So yeah, um, and here's here's the actual tweet that he sent. I recently purchased some BCH. So easy to buy and use. Go to Bitcoin.com. Thank you at Rogerver underscore cash for this innovation. Bitcoin hashtag and then Bitcoin cash hashtag. And that was, you know, I, I totally missed it the first time that I ran across the damn tweet because I saw it like everybody else saw it. It was in my Twitter feed. It was all over the damn place. But it took me about three or four times looking at it to realize that he had tagged the wrong Roger Ver. And that was that was sort of my clue that something was something was not right at the Circle K. So anyway, yeah, I, I you know, who knows? I mean, he deleted the tweet. Um, it, it appears it was a hack. So we'll have to we'll have to just wait and see if Tim Draper himself actually makes a statement on what what occurred on that one. This one is interesting. Zach Vole is writing it for Coindesk.com sometime this early this morning. He says, <clears throat> Bitfinex invest in derivatives exchange built with Bitcoin's Lightning Network. So here we go, guys. <clears throat> Lightning is now going to be used to get some people wrecked, which is fine. If you want to, if you want to play with markets and buy stupid shit all the time, that's fine. It's, you know, I'm just happy that they're using the Lightning Network because it makes a lot of sense. So Lightning Network-based derivatives platform LN Markets closed a pre-seed funding round joined by Bitfinex and other early-stage Bitcoin startup investors. Launched in March of 2020, LN Markets has reached nearly $10 million in aggregate traded volume and has over 100 channels connected to its exchange. The platform is designed to avoid slow and costly on-chain transactions by connecting traders to a Bitcoin derivatives market by streaming their funds through the Lightning Network, according to the project's founders. <coughs> Excuse me. When asked, the LN Markets team declined to disclose the amount raised. The exchange offers, oh God, the exchange offers up to 50x leverage. <laughs> Pure wreckage right there, bro. According to a presentation shared with Coindesk, and users can take trade directly from any Lightning Network wallet. Uh, Bitfinex's CTO, Paolo Arduino, said, quote, this is one of our first public investments and underlines our support for the Lightning Network, end quote. Because the Lightning Network is a technology that Bitfinex loves, it is important for us to provide funding and to participate in such an innovative venture, he added, directly linking users' wallets to the derivative exchange. That's an example for how exchanges should let users operate with their funds, said Tobias Hoffman, Bitcoin developer and trader on LN Markets. Bitcoin's Lightning Network has enjoyed steady growth over the past few years, adding its largest number of new nodes in a single month in August, as Coindesk previously reported. So there you go. <coughs> Get wrecked with 50x leverage faster than you can blink. That's what... <laughs> I mean, I, I love the fact that they've done it, I like the fact that they're using, you know, because it's using lightning, the lightning network and it makes a lot of sense, but it doesn't take away the sting of getting wrecked at 50 X leverage. Okay. Just if you have experienced that I, and I have not, but if you have experienced that on something like uh, BitMEX at a hundred X leverage, <laughs> Arthur Hayes is laughing. Um, yeah. Then you know how much that's going to sting. I, I still, even though, it's using the Lightning Network, even though it's Bitcoin. I highly recommend staying away from trading unless you are a freaking master at it. It'll get you killed. Okay, so let's move on. Cryptocurrencies rarely used to launder money. Fiat is preferred. Traditional channels continue to dominate the estimated $2 trillion global money laundering racket instead of cryptocurrencies, a report says. Shaura Malwa is writing this one this morning for Decrypt.co. According to a report by the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications, or SWIFT, the role of cryptocurrencies in money laundering is overstated and unfounded, with fiat money still the most used method for such illicit purposes. Money laundering remains a grave concern globally. Research from the intergovernmental organization United Nations suggests anything from $800 billion to $2 trillion is laundered via fiat channels each year. But cryptocurrencies are only a small part of the picture. Quote, identified cases of laundering through cryptocurrencies remain relatively small compared to the volumes of cash laundered through traditional methods, 
said Swift last week. The firm provides a communication tool for banks to relay transactional information to each other and is used to conduct billions of dollars in transfers daily. Swift said traditional methods like using mules, halwa, hawala, hawala, I guess that's using intermediaries, front companies, cash businesses, and crimes like drug trade remain at the forefront of money laundering. In contrast, the use of cryptocurrencies is minimal with even cyber criminal usage of digital money being few and far between. That said, there are still some takers for for criminal crypto. (laughs) Swift singled out the infamous Lazarus Group, allegedly run by North Korean hackers to steal money, convert to cryptocurrencies, and route it back to the country as a major hacker group that continues to use cryptocurrencies over fiat. Other such cases are identified unidentified, wait, yeah, unidentified hacker groups in Europe that use stolen funds to purchase prepaid cryptocurrency debit cards, a special type of card that stores crypto and converts to fiat during a transaction at the messaging provider. Swift said, however, that the use of cryptocurrencies for laundering stolen bank funds will rise in the future. Quote, favorable factors include the growing number of altcoins that have recently been launched and which focus on providing full transaction anonymity, it noted. Services like mixers and tumblers, online tools that mix up cryptocurrency transactions with legit transactions to cover tracks also represent an upcoming threat. Notice, notice the narrative being, being spun here. Similar to these is the rise of privacy-centric cryptocurrencies like uh, Monero, which obfuscate transactional addresses and are hence difficult to track. Another potential money laundering tool is the emergence of specialized online marketplaces that only require an email address to sign up, which could then be used to convert illegal crypto gains into real-world assets like pro- uh, property and and watches. Swift added. Oh, God. Oh, man, that's sad. But for now, the real problems lie with fiat currency. Yeah, more certainly more problems than just freaking money laundering. My God almighty. I mean, even... Even money launderers are probably sitting around going, stop printing. You're making our our ill-gotten gains worthless. But, dude, convert illegal crypto gains to real-world assets like property and watches. (laughs) Really? Jesus, God God almighty. Blockstream's liquid pushes for DeFi with new decentralized exchange. Bitcoin DeFi is coming, but it's not really on Bitcoin. And Andrey Shevchenko is writing this one yesterday for Cointelegraph. A decentralized exchange built on the liquid network is opening for early access on Monday. Called TDEX, the project has announced its entry into an open alpha stage. It's being built by Seven Labs, a firm that provides consulting and white labeling services in addition to its current work. The exchange provides a fairly unique twist to the automated market makers currently dominating on-chain exchange volume. The T-Swap protocol used by the exchange focuses on ad hoc atomic swaps, a way of conducting a trade between two counterparties with intermediaries. Unlike AMMs, There are no mathematical formulas involved that would force a particular exchange price. As Claudio Lavrini, CEO of Seven Labs, told Cointelegraph, quote, TDEX leaves to the liquidity provider full control on using a fixed price strategy or add external price feeds and custom trading logic, end quote. The flip side of this is that providing liquidity on the platform is likely to be more involved than on platforms like Uniswap. Atomic swaps are often proposed as a decentralized method for exchanging assets on Bitcoin and other UTXO blockchains. While adoption has been limited so far, the Taproot and Schnorr proposals could allow simpler mechanisms through adapter signatures. Adam Back, CEO of Blockstream, said that TDEX is an exciting example of the increasing number of DeFi solutions emerging on Liquid, or as we like to call it, LiFi. Casino, I guess casinos are just going to casino, man. Continuing, but the relative level of centralization on liquid has been the subject of criticism in the past, especially in the context of introducing concepts traditionally associated with Ethereum, like non-fungible tokens. Liquid is a Bitcoin sidechain that relies on a federation of functionaries to both ensure a peg to Bitcoin and validate the network. These functionaries are business entities tied to Bitcoin, primarily exchanges. The federation and design of the PEG system present a significant point of trust in the network as an incident in June briefly made Blockstream the sole controller 
of 870 BTC in network reserves. Some of the Bitcoin community often push for creating Bitcoin DeFi that could open up the network to the world of decentralized trading and lending, which until now has primarily been seen on Ethereum. Atomic Loans is currently among the only projects that uses native Bitcoin as collateral for borrowing, though it uses Ethereum for the rest of its logic. Other Bitcoin DeFi projects include Money on Chain, a MakerDAO analog of RSK, and now TDEX. None of these projects are built natively on Bitcoin, thank God. Primarily due to smart contract limitations, these same limitations make it difficult to create trustless bridges to the blockchain, forcing sidechains to adopt federated peg mechanisms, but demand for Bitcoin in DeFi is clearly strong as evidenced by the success of WBTC. Oh, God, that's that wrapped Bitcoin bullshit. Okay, here we go. This is what you're about to hear is a lie. There is more Bitcoin locked on Ethereum than in Liquid and the Lightning Network combined. It remains to be seen if DeFi on Liquid will be as strong. There is no such thing as Bitcoin locked on Ethereum. There is no such thing as Bitcoin on Ethereum. Okay, you want to F around and find out? Then send one full Bitcoin to an Ethereum address and watch what happens. There is no Bitcoin on Ethereum. Wrapped BTC is a thing where you send actual money to get this crap token that is an ERC-20 or some such on the Ethereum network. But there's no actual Bitcoin there because the, the where you send your Bitcoin to receive these bullshit WBTC tokens, that Bitcoin, where is it? It's still on the Bitcoin blockchain. Why? Because it can't exist anywhere else. And it doesn't need to because that's where the security is. That's where we have the most security on such a planet that you would be able to take Bitcoin and move it in onto the actual Ethereum chain. That would be a planet that honestly the Death Star should vaporize because it's just stupid. Like yield farming, yield farming frenzy has led to massive Ethereum and tether withdrawals in China. This was done on September the 7th. Yeah, yesterday. But again, by Ashara Malwa, uh, this right, he's writing this one for CryptoSlate.com. CryptoSlate.com, excuse me, ribs. Yeah, what are you going to do? <clears throat> the ongoing rush for yield farming in the crypto market has reportedly led to Chinese investors withdrawing funds from exchanges in the country to lock them up on ob- obscure protocols that promise high yields, said local outlet Wu Blockchain earlier today. Coin Wu. A reporter focused on the local blockchain and cryptocurrency sector in China said that on September the 6th, quote, many exchanges in China experienced difficulties in withdrawing coins and shutdowns. He claimed it was caused by the Chinese crypto community withdrawing liquidity in mass and transferring millions of dollars worth of Tether and other altcoins to yield farming projects like Yearn Finance and SushiSwap. Wu reported the claim using data from CryptoQuant, an on-chain analytics firm, He said the recent price drop over this weekend caused investors to buy the dip and then transfer to decentralized exchanges like Uniswap to exchange to other tokens. The data showed that, or the data showed exchange reserves uh, saw a significant dip. Bitfinex and KuCoin, two popular crypto exchanges, were the most affected. Wu added in a follow-up tweet, quote, the withdrawal moment is widely spread, but the actual impact is uncertain. Exchanges also starting to defend such as a crazy listing of DeFi coins to make users gamble in the secondary market and helping users with yield farming, end quote. Wu's comments came as crypto exchange Binance launched its launch pool service on Sunday to provide yields using its BNB token. In an announcement, Binance said BNB holders opting for launch pool will automatically receive interest on projects that issue their tokens on the Binance chain starting with Bella protocol yesterday, whatever the, whatever the F that is. The rush for DeFi listings and yield farming has picked up massively in the past month with projects locking up hundreds of millions of dollars upon launch in a reminiscent of 2017's infamous ICO bubble. Ethereum is still the choice of blockchain among issuers. As per CryptoSlate's data page, the top 15 DeFi tokens and projects operate on the Ethereum network and lock up billions of dollars. 
As a consequence, the activity has caused immense congestion and strain on the network with fees spiking to over $60 per transfer. And that might just be getting started, especially if the market attracts billions of dollars from new users in China. Yeah, man, this, this yield farming bullshit. I mean, <clears throat> honestly, I've already seen that the founder of Sushi has cashed out to the tune of $13 million. I don't actually have a story on that on that one though. Um and it was I don't know. I mean it's I guess people are still trying to determine if that actually happened, which would explain why there's actual, you know, not very many stories that I was able to find about it. Of course then again I, I honestly I I kind of wasn't looking at it. But since we're here in yield farming land, we might as well talk about it. I did see the tweet from the founder of Sushi that said that he was explaining that he did nothing wrong by cashing out all of his sushi holdings for the to the tune of $13 million U.S. Of course, we all know that's bullshit if he actually did it, but it seems legit unless his Twitter account was hacked too because, you know, with Twitter, that's apparently possible. Anybody can hack anybody else, but moving on, btctimes.com. Uh, again, Shara Malwa getting around all these different places to write stories for, man. Uh, yeah, Shara Malwa is writing this one September the 7th for btctimes.com, peer-to-peer trading platform BISC to support SegWit. Yay! Peer-to-peer trading platform BISC will soon support uh, segregated witness, according to a tweet on Saturday. Act- activated in August of 2017, SegWit introduced a number of improvements to Bitcoin's performance, including an increase in Bitcoin's theoretical block size that enabled fee savings for users as well as a fix in an anomaly that prevented the straightforward deployment of second layer solutions such as the Lightning Network. That would be the transaction malleability problem. Of course, it's fixed, so that's why we don't talk about it. If you don't know what transaction malleability is, you just will Google it. Type in transaction malleability and then Bitcoin. And you may even want to type in the date, like just type in like 2017 or 2016 and you'll, you'll find it. I guarantee it. It's all we talked about for two years. Last week, BISC shared that after a series of community proposals and grants, the platform would soon support SegWit transactions based on a proposal by developer. Oh, good Lord. I just lost it. Hold on. For some reason or another, it took me to a tweet when I was trying to scroll down. Oh, good Lord. Uh, Last week, BISC shared that after a series of community proposals and grants, the platform would soon support SegWit transactions based on a proposal by developer Oscar Guinsberg. The addition had previously been delayed due to technical issues and high risk caused by incomplete code support. However, new code libraries and additional technical support for SegWit integration in recent months made it viable for BISC to start work on the migration the exchange noted. According to BISC, key challenges included finding a grant for the work involved in the migration and technical obstacles associated with transferring user and transactional data to the new SegWit-enabled network in August, an anonymous guarantor agreed to oversee all finances required to put Gunsberg's work into action. The founder noted that the project was very large and could span several months, but committed to an earlier $30,000 estimate on a proposal. The costs have since been revised to forty-five grand. After discussions between BIS developers and the guarantor, at press time work on the implementation has begun and is expected to take several months until completion. The funds are placed in a multi-sig Bitcoin wallet until April 1st of 2021 and shall be returned to the guarantor if the project is not completed by then. Interesting way to fund this shit. I'll give it that. And it's also interesting that, you know, BISC is finally going to do this. And I'm going to give them a break for not doing it. It's not like BISC is Coindesk, okay? They're not like a wash with a whole shitload of cash that they could just go ahead and pay somebody a, you know, a whole bunch of money to, you know, implement it. This is a small outfit. So it's good that they're finally getting there, but Lord have mercy. It it took a while. Let's run the numbers. As usual, or rather as of late, because I am way up, doing this way before the morning bell at the uh, stock exchanges, I'm going to have to talk about 
the index futures and not actual price, <clears throat> but it looks like people are going to get slaughtered today. The Dow futures are going to be down <clears throat> two tenths of a point. That's not so bad. And the S&P futures, we're going to be down like, you know, three quarters of a point. But the real story is going to be NASDAQ futures, which is going to be down two and a half. Uh, that's going to be a subtraction of 279.75. Uh, there was some stuff going on around. Yeah, like over here, trending now. Let's see what the, uh, uh, this is on the side of CNBC.com. And I was reading a lot about Tesla. You know, there, the the narrative going on yesterday was Tesla was dangerous. So let I'll, I'll read you the first five of the trending now. Tesla shares fall 10% in pre-market trade after S&P 500 snub. NASDAQ futures drop 2% following tech's worst route since March. Tesla falls 10%. Uh, the third one in trending is Tesla could be the most dangerous stock on Wall Street, investment researcher says. Uh, and then world must be better prepared for next pandemic. So they're already they're already spinning up the next the next uh, or the the narrative for the next thing that crushes everybody. Last one is that Royal Caribbean could have the most potential as Carnival sets sail in Europe. So it's this is all going to be driven by by Tesla. All right, so I wouldn't worry all that much about it be, unless you're just heavily invested in Tesla, which I've been thinking was a bad idea for a long time. Hell, even Elon Musk was like, dude, this shit's way overpriced. And now they got a five for one stock split coming up. If it hasn't already been done, I can't remember. It's ridiculous. It, I mean, if you look at their balance sheet and look at their sales, you, that's all, that's, I mean, that's all you need to know. Ford by itself beats the living crap out of Tesla in sales. All right. There's no way. It's like when people say, it's like, oh my God, they're going to sell 20,000 vehicles. whoop de fricking do. <laughs> oh, Okay. Let's see. I just saw energy futures. We've got a massive crash on oil down five and a half percent down to $37 and 56 cents. Wow. I wonder what happened. Brent North Sea is going to, is down, uh, printed a negative 3.4%. So it's going to be selling for a barrel at $40 and 58 cents. Natural gas is getting the floor wiped with it. Oh God, it's at two dollars and fifty-two cents for a thousand cubic feet. But let's talk about better things here. Let's talk about some real money. Bitcoin at ten thousand thirty-one. What happened? Oh yes, we had a dip, dude. And some people are saying it was a twenty-five percent dip. No, no, it wasn't. It was a seventeen percent dip. It went from twelve thousand to ten thousand. If you run the actual numbers and I don't know, do math and shit. That's not 25%. It's not. It's 17. Okay. It's how hard is this shit, guys? So, yeah, $10,031. I got a low over at GDAX that's printing at $9,995. And it looks like the $10,031 is my high, but 325,000 transactions were performed in the last 24 hours. It's about 13,500 transactions being sent around the horn on average every hour. Oh, uh, good Lord. 3,076,485 BTC were sent in that last 24 hours. Guys, that's damn near 17% of the entirety of Bitcoin's market cap moving in the last 24 hours. That's, that's huge, man. That means that 128,000 BTC were being sent on average every hour with an average transaction value of nine and a half BTC and a median transaction value of 0.046 or about 460 bucks. Block times are extraordinarily low at eight minutes and 22 seconds. We have a half a BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 93.28 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Hash rate increase. Oh my God, 8.5% to the upside, but that's not the oh my God. We've hit another all time high on hash rate. We are now at 143 exahashes per second. Damn near 144 exahashes per second. Whoa, that's kind of interesting. Ethereum at 337, Bcash at 222 and a half, BSV at 172, 173, Litecoin at 
$47. Ethereum Classic at five. Dogecoin, yeah, Doge doesn't look good. It's at 0 0.0027. But at 50,000 transactions over the last 24 hours, it still stomps Ethereum Classic, Litecoin, and Bcash. So there you go. Let's see what Clark Moody has to say. Clark Moody is looking at the low price. So Clark Moody likes, I guess, likes to be sad. I don't know. 9,997 is the price he's printing. Money supply is 18,483,033.58 BTC. That's the amount that's in circulation at the time. We have 11,608 transactions chilling out in whatever mempool Clark is looking at. And that's going to take about six blocks to clear. Uh, Lightning Network, we have 1,067 BTC chilling out in there. That's giving us about $10.7 million of liquidity spread across 7,521 nodes, uh, representing 37,080 channels. We have the percentage of Tor capacity is almost at 50%, 49.8%. Wow. That means that there's about 531.74 BTC chilling out on the Tor side of the Lightning Network. And there are 2,402 Tor nodes. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to round two of the morning roundup. Hackers shut Argentina borders with $4 million Bitcoin ransom demand. Shaura Malwa, it's apparently does nothing but write, is writing this one for decrypt.co sometime on September the 7th. Apparently, Shaura had a lot of time on his hands. My God almighty. Argentina's immigration agency, Direction Nacional de Migraciones, or the DNM, was the victim of a ransomware attack <clears throat> that temporarily halted border crossings with hackers demanding $4 million in Bitcoin. The attack was first reported by the Argentinian government on August the 27th to the country's cybercrime agency after multiple calls from border checkpoints suggested their computer networks were compromised, according to security news site Bleeping Computer. Border authorities found that their computer systems, <clears throat> excuse me, including Microsoft applications, and shared folders were hit by an unidentified virus in the small hours. I guess that means the morning. They took swift action and shut down central servers to prevent the virus from propagating to other systems. As a consequence, all Argentinian immigration offices and control posts were put out of service for four hours until they were brought back online again. The Comprehensive Migration Capture System, or SICAM, that operates in international crossings was particularly affected, which caused delays in entry and exit to the national territory, the DNM uh, stated. The attackers were later identified by authorities as NetWalker, a ransomware operation that targets corporate computer networks. Its, its usual pattern of attack is to encrypt or put a password on all Microsoft applications, such as Word, Excel, and Office, uh, on the victim's network, a ransom is then demanded in return for the password. The NetWalker hackers who attacked Argentina's immigration agency flashed a payment message leading to a Tor network page demanding $2 million in Bitcoin as ransom. This figure was then changed to $4 million after seven days, approximately 355 Bitcoin at the time of the report. However, the officials didn't budge. They told local news outlet InfoBay that they will not negotiate with hackers and neither are they too concerned with getting that data back. <laughs> the report noted that while cyber attacks against local businesses and city administrations are commonplace, indeed, one of Argentina's largest telecom companies was hit by a ransomware attack in July. This instance may have been the first involving Bitcoin to have directly affected a nation's border controls. Ransomware has boomed in the recent years, with hackers frequently demanding payments in Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency. Recent estimates suggest that the cost of ransomware attacks uh, to companies totals around $170 billion annually. Recent victims include travel management firm CWT and the University of Utah, another NetWalker victim, and even vital health services responding to the coronavirus pandemic. And dude, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Okay, Scott Cipollina is writing this one for Decrypt.co. Just Eat is now accepting Bitcoin payments in France. 
Customers can now pay with Bitcoin for food deliveries from over 15,000 restaurants across France using delivery service Just Eat. This was written on September the 7th. Food delivery service Just Eat France has started accepting Bitcoin payments for orders placed from over 15,000 restaurants. The delivery service is using oh God, BitPay as its Bitcoin payment provider. Dude, stop it. Home delivery services have been in high demand during the coronavirus pandemic as lockdown orders and social distancing regulations have forced customers out of sit-down restaurants. At the same time, the use of cash is declining. No surprise then that the food industry is now turning to crypto as a viable payment option for customers. Quote, Just Eat is a major player in the delivery of meals in France. This initiative could help to democratize the use of cryptocurrencies among the general public. Gregory Raymond writer for French publication Capital.fr, told Decrypt, quote, we do not charge any fees for Bitcoin payments. To make a Bitcoin payment, you need to create a digital wallet by downloading special software or an app, says the Just Eat France website. Payments using Bitcoin will be calculated based on the current price charged by BitPay. However, if a Bitcoin payment is canceled, the customer will be refunded in euros with payment being sent to a customer's traditional bank account. Quote, when you make your initial payment, Bitcoin is already converted into euros. The rate applicable at the time of your payment will therefore be the rate applied for reimbursement, the website says. Uh, that means there's no danger of Just Eat being stung for a $50 million refund for a pizza. Okay, that whole issue about getting refunded in euros direct to your bank account, if you're going to do this, if you're going to be in France and you're going to order a Frickin' croissant or whatever. Make sure that you use a Bitcoin wallet <clears throat> that is not your main wallet. Okay? Like, figure out a way, like, just buy 50 bucks, you know, on Cash App or something like that. Something that you're already going to be KYC'd for. Then use that. Because if a refund does occur, is I mean, it's going to connect your main wallet to a bank account. All right? So, just be aware. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that one. <clears throat> Cointelegraph's Helen Parts says that South Korean police have reportedly raided Bitthumb for a second time, uh, but Bitthumb has remained quiet despite the second police raid in the course of a week. Now, what I find most interesting about this story from Cointelegraph, the cover art is a stripper cop. Yeah, that's right. A sexy stripper cop is what they've got on for the cover art. She's all got like, you know, cleavage. She's like short sleeves and the sexy hat. It's all artwork, but still it's like, whose idea was it to put a stripper cop up for the cover art for, for this particular story? I find it kind of funny. Anyway, Bitthumb, the largest cryptocurrency exchange in South Korea, is, a, is reportedly facing more police raids in Seoul. The Seoul Metropolitan Police Agency has conducted additional search and seizure checks at Bitthumb's headquarters in the Gangnam District on September the 7th. Local publication Seoul Shinman reports. A police official reportedly said that the latest investigations aim to secure additional evidence relating to existing allegations against Lee Jong-hoon, chairman of board at Bitthumb Korea and Bitthumb Holdings. As reported by Cointelegraph, the executive is purportedly accused of major financial fraud involving the BXA token. Promoted as BitThumb's native token, BXA token has been never launched or listed. That's an odd sentence. Though promoting BXA token, or sorry, through promoting BXA token, Jung Hoon allegedly got involved in a high-scale fraud that reportedly caused investor damages of 30 billion won, which is about 200, or $25 million U.S. The latest police raids came shortly after Seoul police reportedly conducted initial investigations at BitThumb's office on September the 2nd. BitThumb has not responded to Cointelegraph's multiple inquiries to confirm or deny the news so far. This article will be updated pending any new information from BitThumb. Alongside BXA-related investigations, BitThumb has also been troubled recently by the outcomes of a 2017 data breach incident in early September 2020, a judge in the Seoul Central District Court reportedly ruled that BitThumb was partially responsible for the incident. Despite the reports, South Korea's largest exchange keeps holding its position on the market. The crypto exchange is still the ninth largest crypto exchange worldwide, according to data from crypto tracking tool Coin360. 
The reported daily trading volume accounts for about $250 million at publishing time, down around 2.7% over the past 24 hours. So BitThumb getting hammered again, and the saddest part of this story is the fact that nobody explained to me why there's a stripper cop for the cover art. I, I don't get it. I just don't. And guys, this today's show is going to be short. We are already on our last uh, news story for the day. It's just the way it worked out. So we we shall have to, you know, got to do what we can here. The Daily Hodel's Daily Hodel staff is reporting that quantum cryptography breakthrough revealed as team of researchers create ultra secure network. September the 6th is when this was written. A team of researchers from various educational institutions has made a breakthrough in the field of quantum cryptography after creating an ultra-secure network. In a research paper published in Science Advances, a team led by Siddith Karduru Joshi of the University of Bristol has established a quantum network protocol that allows multiple parties to directly communicate without actively switching or trusting nodes. Prior to the team's breakthrough, quantum communication networks were mostly limited to two users. A scaling used to be tough nut to crack as it presented a number of problems. Quote, in most practical networks, it is rare to be able to trust every connected node. Furthermore, such networks tend to use multiple copies of both the sender and receiver hardware at each node, thereby increasing the cost prohibitively. The second category is actively switched or access networks where only certain pairs of users are allowed to exchange a key at a time. Joshi's team has circumvented the issue of trust and node switching by creating a network architecture that enables the secure transmission of entangled photons to all the connected nodes. It's like Star Trek, man. Quote, here we present a citywide quantum communication network with eight users that forms a fully connected graph slash network while requiring only eight wavelength channel pairs, minimal user hardware, i.e. two detectors and a polarization analysis module, or PAM, and no trusted nodes, just one source of polarization entangled photon pairs is shared passively between all users and requires neither trust in the service provider nor adaptations to add or remove users, end quote. The researchers say the novel solution is highly scalable while keeping the infrastructure and hardware required to build the ultra-secure quantum communication network at a minimum. Why do we care? Because ultimately, at one point or another, we're probably going to have some kind of problems with cryptocurrency in general and quantum computing. And what Bitcoin is right now is a communications network. That's what it's always been. That's all it ever really needs to be is just, I just need to be able to communicate value to you. That's it. I don't need lights, whistles, and bells to do that shit, but I do need it to be secure. And if there's even the remote chance, even the remote possibility that we're going to get like, you know, keys and private keys, you know, uncovered by quantum computing, then it is at least worth our while to, you know, to make sure that we understand what's going on in the quantum computing world. Otherwise we could, you know, we could get hosed and I don't want to get hosed. I don't want you to get hosed. Let's not get hosed together. So that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Daily Train Wrecks is brought to you by our good friend Peter Schiff, who's always providing us with fodder for the Daily Train Wrecked. Uh, on, let's see, when was this? I think it was sometime yesterday. Um, it, Peter Schiff tweets out this against my advice, my son at Schiff Spencer just bought even more Bitcoin. Whose advice do you want to follow? A 57 year old experienced investor, business owner who's been an investment professional for over 30 years or an 18-year-old college freshman who's never even had a job. He runs a poll. And after 63,377 votes, 81.1% picks the kid. Got hosed by your own kid, Peter. In public, you really need to stop tweeting about Bitcoin, man, because it's just turning into an, a, a huge, huge embarrassment. Uh, let's see. Uh, is there anything else? Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. I want to read this one. This 
it falls under train wreck and you know, the show's going to be short anyway. So CZ Binance uh, a couple of days ago writes this for sushi. I don't know who the founder is. If we don't list new DeFi coins, traffic goes to other exchanges and we become obsolete. We provide access to liquidity. We don't force you to buy. All coins are high risk, especially DeFi. What is this? What is he talking about? Well, they listed fricking sushi. And I can't, I don't know if they listed it after the, the uh, owner or the, I don't know what you call it, the leader of sushi, like exit scammed, which I fully believe that he did in fact exit scam. I don't know if they listed it before or after. I don't know. But, it, you know, CZ is, is make is, I mean, all I see is a bunch of apologies right now. CZ is apologizing for sushi. And then we had that tweet that came out from the alleged owner or, or the showrunner, whatever you want to call it of sushi, who's was trying to explain why he sold all his shit for 13 million and it's completely fine. And he's still going to be part of the team and, and sushi's going to be great. And I'm like, if it's so great, then why did you sell out? I mean, it's all that bullshit. Okay. So the narrative it's not really the narrative that they want to spin, but narratives have a tendency to arise. And the narrative I'm seeing arise around DeFi is apologetics. When that shit starts happening, you start seeing apologies and apologists come out of the fricking blinds to explain away the problems. The, you've got a space with a lot of problems. Just, I'm, I'm just saying, and oh my God, Brian Armstrong from Coindesk just retweeted or just tweeted, WTF happened in 1971.com. Oh, 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 oh my. Uh, if you don't know that website, what the fuck happened in 1971.com, it is WTF happened in 1971. Use the actual numbers. It's all one word.com and you'll, you'll go and you'll find out exactly WTF happened in 1971 because that's what the website does. The fact the fact that Brian Armstrong tweeted that out as a soul, as a standing tweet all by itself is kind of amazing, but that probably means that the traffic on that site is going to spike. So be careful. Now I want to, I want to end on that Peter Schiff thing. Um, let's, let's find out from Turner, right? Exactly what's going on with Peter Schiff right now. And Bitcoin, this is written for coin telegraph 13 hours ago. It all goes horribly wrong for Peter Schiff as Twitter rejects his advice in favor of his college freshman son's wisdom. <laughs> God, poor man. The vast majority of Twitter users trust 18-year-old Spencer Schiff's investment advice over that of his father, Peter Schiff, a renowned gold bug and Bitcoin critic. Quote, against my advice, my son just bought even more Bitcoin. Whose advice do you want to follow? End quote, says Peter Schiff. According to a September 7th tweet from Peter Schiff, 81% of over 46,000 Twitter users who replied to the poll would prefer the advice of an 18-year-old college freshman who's never even had a job over that of a man with more than 30 years' experience as an investment professional. The younger Schiff was quick to respond to his father's remarks and the survey results stating that crypto Twitter appeared to be backing him. Others enthusiastically showed their support for Spencer on social media. Quote, your son will be a multimillionaire by at least the time he's 57 if he keeps buying Bitcoin, said Quantum Labs CEO Usman Majid. However, a few thought that a father and son favoring different assets was more of an investment strategy. Quote, using your son to hedge your gold bed is a great idea, said Morgan Creek Digital co-founder Anthony Pompliano. Quote, Gold's go gold goes up, you benefit. Bitcoin goes up, your son benefits. Clever way of to be long on both assets without publicly capitulating on gold, end quote. Pompliano wasn't the only commentator who reached this conclusion, quote, sounds like Peter is making sure he can have it both ways depending on Bitcoin success or failure, says Reddit user Splooky. If Bitcoin fails, he'll say, see, my son should have listened to me. If Bitcoin says, succeeds, he'll say, look how smart my son is. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, end quote. The survey comes just two weeks after Schiff solicited Bitcoin donations from Twitter for his son's 18th birthday. Although the wallet connected to Spencer Schiff currently holds no Bitcoin, it has seen transactions worth 0.11 BTC since August the 27th. 
So it looks like Spencer is uh, taking whatever Bitcoin he got and immediately moving it out of that wallet. That's what it looks like. So, so just this is back in August 27th. Yeah, I got time. Uh, again, this is Benjamin Prius writing August 27th because I didn't catch this. Wealthy Bitcoin critic Peter Schiff is soliciting BTC birthday gifts for his son. Okay, this is again Cointelegraph. Peter Schiff, a popular mainstream financial commentator and gold advocate, recently told people to send Bitcoin to his 18-year-old son. Huh. Quote, Since so many of you Bitcoin guys are ribbing me because my son bought Bitcoin, why not really rub it in by gifting him some as a belated birthday present? Schiff said in an August 27th tweet, he turned 18 yesterday, so now I know that your son's birthday is August the 26th. Good Excellent work, Peter. Excellent work. He turned 18 yesterday, Schiff noted. He won't lose his, he said, posting his son's wallet address. Oh, some people are so bad at this shit. Schiff's tweet points towards an event from earlier in 2020 when the gold aficionado admittedly lost his Bitcoin storage access. Quote, I, I knew owning Bitcoin was a bad idea. I just never realized it was this bad. I remember that one. He said in a January 2020 t- tweet, as of press time, the Bitcoin address shift noted as his sons holds 0.0627 BTC. Schiff has delivered negative comments against Bitcoin on many occasions. Okay, there you go. He goes back into this bullshit. So I didn't know that. I kind of thought I would have seen Peter Schiff shilling Bitcoin for his son. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I was asleep. I, does, does, God, it doesn't really matter. Let's go ahead and get right on into Terrible Joke Corner. That is, if I can find it, I've got it here somewhere. Do I? Yes, I do. This one is actually coming from Blockfolio. At Blockfolio says, I have a joke about Bitcoin's history, but people may not find it finny that I zabotage the delivery with references from way back then. And it was bad because it's esoteric. Anybody outside of this space isn't going to get that. And honestly, many of you guys probably don't get that because this is one of those jokes that is better to read than to listen to because they're referencing Hal Finney and Nick Zabo and Waydai. That's where that's coming from. So yeah, freaking terrible. That's just the way I like it. With all that said, I'm going to let this one go. It's, yeah, it's a little early, but hey, you know, it just worked out that way. I hope you guys had a really good Labor Day weekend. I hope you guys did lots of barbecuing like I did. If you like the show, please be sure to rate, review, tweet the son of a bitch out, subscribe to it, click bells, do all the things for this show because this show tries to do all the things for you. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.